What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer here. Another Baseball America podcast. We have to get together. We have to talk about it. MLB today announced three significant rules changes for 2023 at the major league level. They announced that they were voted in in the committee that is formed between the players, the owners, and an umpire. Major League Baseball Players Association soon thereafter came out and announced that Their four votes all voted against two of the rules changes, but we're going to talk about all three of them today. We have pitch clocks and pickoff restrictions. We have bigger bases and we have shift restrictions. We're going to get into all of them, but I do feel like it is safe to say that if we were doing this podcast a year from now, Kyle, the most important one, the one that will be noticed the most is the combo pack of pitch clocks and limits on how often you can pick off or step off uh, to throw over to a base if a base runner is on base. What do you think? I mean, as you dive into this, you just wrote, I think, seven stories about this, I feel like, in the hour and a half it's been since it was announced. But uh, when we come to pitch clocks, having been to minor league games this year where you've experienced these, having talked to players about it, coaches, what are your initial impressions of what MLB fans who haven't paid attention to this, MLB players who may not have paid attention to this, are going to see in 23? Yeah, I mean, as we've talked about for over a year now, I've been writing extensively about pitch clocks in a large part because the current version of the pitch clock was first implemented in the California League. So I was out here seeing it in real time and seeing the changes it made. And there's a couple things we have to hit on here. So first and foremost, it's important to differentiate what pitch clock rules we're talking about. There were pitch clocks in AA and AAA as far back as 2015, but they weren't really effective. And the reason for that is pitchers could just step off the rubber. It would reset the timer. So we saw, for the most part, over the the course of multiple years, no significant difference in game times. There was a couple years it ebbed and flowed, but for the most part, it didn't really make a difference. Last year in the California League, when they called it Low A West, they tied it in with this rule saying, okay, pitchers can only step off twice per plate appearances. That includes pickoff attempts. If he steps off a third time, say he tries a third pickoff attempt, it has to be successful or it's a balk. That rule ensured, it basically served as an effective deterrent to pitchers stepping off. And that is why we then saw the pitch clock start being effective at reducing minor league game times. And that's why you're seeing this version of the pitch clock rules go to the major leagues. Because without the step-off limitation, the pitch clock doesn't actually make a difference. So with that, we saw they implemented it midway through the California League season last year, uh, six weeks into the season. And we saw a decrease in the average game time of 21 minutes. And with that, we actually saw a huge uptick in offense. We saw, you know, walks and strikeouts go down. We saw, you know, balls in play go up. We saw averages go up. We saw, you know, hit percentages, home run percentages, all of it go up. So it accomplished 
basically everything Major League Baseball wants to accomplish. More action, less dead time. We saw them this year expand those rules to all levels in the minor leagues, and we saw it again. Um, Major League Baseball talked about today, the average time of a minor league game so far through September 8th, the season is not over, but the average time of a nine inning minor league game is down 26 minutes across the minors. And this all comes against a backdrop of the average nine inning game time in Major League Baseball. Um, the five longest average game times have occurred in the last six or seven years. Um, this year, it's actually down a little bit. It's 304. It was 310 last year, which was uh, the longest ever. And now in the minor leagues, we're seeing game times that were around three hours. They're pretty consistently in the 240-ish range. And that's obviously an area Major League Baseball wants to get to. So it's really been kind of an unmitigated success in this version of the pitch clock in the minors. It's going to be a little different in the majors. Uh, they have a little more time. Um, importantly, the step-off limitation resets after runner advances. Um, the minor leagues have a little less time and it doesn't reset. So maybe it won't be a full 21 to 26-minute reduction. But I think we will see, you know, 15 minutes, maybe up to 20 minutes off the average game time, which is what Major League Baseball wants. This is one of the rules that has been effective. And I think we will see it be effective in accomplishing the goals MLB wants it to as soon as next year. So I've tried to make a point whenever I go to a minor league game to at least if I can find a couple of fans who the best way I can put it is, is who aren't at their only game of the year. And it's like pitch clock, what pitch clock? People who go to games. Right. And I'll just say, so what do you, I just throw it out this way. So what do you think of the rules changes? And I am not saying in any way it's universal on any of this, but generally the feedback you get is either I love the pitch clock or I thought I'd hate the pitch clock rules, but I've come to love them. And it's not understandably because the best thing we can measure is the shorter time of games. And I remember talking to Pat O'Connor back when Pat O'Connor was the MIL, was running minor league baseball. And he always talked about that the sweet spot they thought for a minor league game was two and a half hours to two hours and 45 minutes. And that's what they have gotten in the minor leagues this year is, is the game time. Your average nine inning game takes between 230 and 245, 250. You know, some games go a little shorter, some games go a little longer. That's the range. But the big thing, that I think is most noticeable if you're at a minor league game, which most people listening to this, I'm assuming did go to a couple minor league games, at least this year, the pace of play, yeah, the reduction in what, if you are a fan is effectively meaningless time. It's not action that's being reduced. It's the extra five seconds that you would just have regularly where a batter would be like, you know what? I want to think this through for a little while longer. So I'm going to just going to, I'm going to take some more time or the pitcher who sat there staring in at the catcher for 20 seconds instead of 10. The part that has happened, I'm not going to fault them. Players should be selfish. And I mean that they really should. If you're a professional player, if they are letting you get away with something and it will help you do it. If waiting forever to throw a pitch means that you're going to have an advantage on a batter and they're not enforcing anything, do it. If you're a batter and trying to mess with the hitters, the pitcher's flow and his timing by stepping out, just trying to antagonize them, I get it, do it. But once you put these rules in, it does make it better for all those things. 
You know, it's one of those things uh, just on a personal level. I think anyone who has listened to uh, the podcast here since I joined BA in 2016 understands I'm kind of a purist in a lot of ways when it comes to the game. But watching these games for the better part of a year, um, it's undeniable. The pace is just so, so, so much better. And it really struck me, and you know, I've talked about this extensively, that, look, this was going to come to MLB sooner rather than later. I remember last year being in a game at Ranch Cucamonga and Peter Wolfork, Raul Abanez, and Michael Hill are all there. We're all watching this game at Ranch Cucamonga, and it's 224. And it's just, you know, quick, quick pace, quick action. And everyone's like, wow, that was amazing. The night before at Inland Empire, same thing. I think that one went 228. And we've just seen it really expand across the minors this year. The pace of play is so much better, so much quicker. And the other thing we've seen is the kind of, you know, quote unquote disaster games. Those are still finishing in under three hours, you know, which is remarkable. I remember sitting in those games, both the majors and minors, they go 330, 345. Uh, just one example, I was at a game uh, between Reg Cucamonga and Modesto a few weeks ago. It was a 12 to 8 game. There were 14 walks, eight hit by pitches, four errors. I mean, just one of those absolute disaster games that just, ugh, 258. Under three hours for all that. Again, 20 runs, 17 hits, 14 walks, eight hit by pitches, two wild pitches. I mean, again, like the exact kind of game we're talking about, four errors, it was still under three hours. So we're seeing pretty much almost every kind of game is staying under three hours. I think that's important where you start getting, hey, your average game is, again, what's 240, and even your disaster games are still only 255, 258. That's appealing to a lot of people. I think even the biggest, most ardent baseball fans and supporters, and I'm one of them. I mean, again, for both my job and my real life, thousands upon thousands of games in my life, even I have some games I'm like, come on already, let's go. Like, it's just dragging. And this really eliminates that. So I think ultimately, at the end of the day, Major League Baseball is an entertainment product. And in the era of uh, shorter attention spans, all of our brains have been rewired by social media. I do think it's a good thing that it's going to be a little quicker. It's going to be better paced. It's going to be shorter game times. And look, especially in the postseason, we've seen a lot of four-hour games. This is important. These rules are implemented. It's not just regular season. It's for the postseason, too. I think we're just going to see a much better, quicker brand of baseball that's ultimately going to be more appealing to the casual fan. And I think the hardcore fan is going to kind of get used to it and actually come to like it. I can't tell you how many players, and I'm talking like old school baseball people, like scouts and managers I've talked. I'm talking the 68-year-old lifer who's cranky about everything. They love it. Again, a lot of them are ex-big leaguers. And anyone who has really been in the stadium watching the games with this version of the pitch clock, they either, like you said, love it or they come around to it pretty quickly. It's been remarkable how little opposition there is to the people who actually are living it. Players, I've also. I mean, the thing that's also happened is is that what you saw in the first month of implementation was some friction. Understandable. You had players who are having to be rewired after years of not having to deal with this. But when you look at it now, you still every now and then see an automatic ball, an automatic strike, but it's rare. And really, what's happened now is. Even in the innings, so I've been in a couple of games recently where there have been major leaguers rehabbing, right? And in a major leaguers rehabbing, they turn off the clock. The minor leaguer in those situations is still acting as if the clock is, is, is in play. The hitters are still getting in the box with more than nine seconds to go on the clock. 
even though there's no clock. The pitcher, if it's a batter, who's the, the major league hitters are there, they're still working at that kind of pace because they're just used to working in a faster pace. And the other thing that I'm going to be interested to watch this at the major league level, we've seen this in the minors. It's not just a, oh, this makes pitchers work faster. It is something that is going to affect pitchers and hitters. I've absolutely watched pitchers this year, and I've talked to players who say, oh, yeah, this is absolutely going on, where you have to be in the box with nine seconds to go if you're a hitter. Whether you really are ready at nine seconds to go or not, you have to be in the box ready to hit. If a pitcher wants to throw with eight seconds to go on the clock, I have seen examples where you can tell the pitcher's in a groove, the batter doesn't know what's coming next, and the batter hasn't had time to go, am I looking fastball here? Am I thinking that he's going to try to get a changeup on me or it's a breaking ball? The pitcher is the one who's actually in a groove, and the hitter is the one who's having real trouble dealing with the fact that the pitcher's throwing so quickly. It's, a, it's not an either-or. It depends on the player who will see the benefits or the drawbacks from the pitch clock, I believe. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned some of the early struggles. Um, what I've seen, what you've seen, and what I think everyone else has seen is you're right. There's always an adjustment period. Um, the first few weeks, even the first you know, couple months, uh, sometimes even the first – I wouldn't say the first full year, first couple months – You'll see some pitch clock violations where, you know, the pitcher gets frustrated or the batter gets frustrated. Again, another important part of this is batters are going to be required uh, to step in the box and be ready to hit uh, with, with at least eight seconds remaining. I mean, they've got to be ready to go. No, you know, standing out, taking 15 seconds anymore. And so you've seen times where the batter isn't in the box and he gets called a strike on him and he's not happy or times where a pitcher doesn't deliver the pitch when he needs to and he gets a ball called on him and he's not happy. But we see those incidents go down. So I think what I would expect is, you know, early on, it might be ugly. You might see some some batters throwing, you know, you know, not I want to say fits, but but being legitimately and rightfully angry and pitchers being rightfully angry and a few managers getting tossed. But it eventually evens out. People adapt, people adjust. And ultimately, I do think we'll see that. And I do think this will become something that that will lead to the outcomes Major League Baseball wants which I think is important to hit on because there's another rules change, JJ, they made that I don't think we're going to see that. The outcome Major League Baseball is trying to accomplish, I don't think the rule will. But this one it will, but there's another one I don't think will. Right. I don't want to get to that one yet, though, because we have to get to the second part of this one, though, first. Yes, which that's is true. The pickoffs, you touched on it already. I really do believe that if we are talking 365 days from now about this, I believe that the pickoff portion of this will actually have made a larger impact. I think the pitch clock will be something that someone will get ejected in the first month of the season. Someone's head is going to explode. Some star, veteran star, is going to get three, four automatic balls, you know, automatic uh, balls called and melt down. But by July, August, most everyone will have adapted. The pickoff portion of this what we've seen in the majors, I mean the minors, the this is also an intended effect of this. The pickoff rule has led to much higher stolen base attempt rates and much higher stolen base success rates in the minors. Yes, there is the bigger bases. We can almost rope this in here to say 
when they did bigger bases half the season in AAA in 2021, we didn't see differences in stolen base rates or success rates between the smaller bases and bigger bases. But the pickoff rule, I mean, you've seen it. I've seen it. Base runners are running wild in the minors this year, even though at the major league level, pretty much everyone is anchored to first base. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've seen in the minors, at least, you know, stolen base success rates have, have hovered around the high 60s, you know, percentage wise for, for the most part pre the implementation of this rule. I, I wrote a big article on it last year. And, you know, some years you'd see 67, some years, you know, 68. I mean, that was generally the range that stolen base success rates were at last year in, in 2021, in the California League that jumped to 75%. And we saw that, you know, expanded this year to all levels of the minors jumped to 77%. So you're seeing about an average of about one extra stolen base attempt every other game. It comes out to, you know, six tenths of a stolen base per game. But we're seeing the success rate jump from 68% to, to 75 to 77%, depending on the league. That's important because a lot of teams analytically have determined unless you have about a 75% success around stolen bases, it's not worth running. And that's part of the calculation. We've seen a lot of teams really, really opt to, to at best significantly reduce um, how often they attempt to steal. And some teams have pretty much almost stopped stealing in, in some ways. So the fact that we're seeing that success rate now jump back over 75% from an analytical perspective, now it becomes analytically favorable to start running again. And I think we're going to see, like you said, a pretty significant uptick. Um, we're seeing it in the minors, and I expect we see it in the majors too. And I actually wrote a story about this last year. Catcher arm strength in the majors is way, way, way down. Uh, the number of sub-1-9 pop times has dropped dramatically with the current crop of catchers to catchers from years past just because that was almost, again, no longer as important of a thing because less teams were running. There's a lot more focus on framing. So you're going to have a, a situation now where you have a lot of pitchers who haven't really had to hold runners much in their careers as much as they used to. Catchers whose arms are, are objectively weaker than previous catching crops. And now you have this implementation of a rule that's going to encourage stolen bases. I think there's a real chance for teams to run absolutely wild next year. And then maybe even the year after while catchers and pitchers adjust. The major league, as we record this uh, on Friday, uh, September 9th, the major league leader in steals is John Birdie with 32. In the minor leagues, there are 78 base dealers who have stole more than 32 bags. Uh, it, it is a massive difference. And the other thing to, to kind of tie into what you said there, right? This is not, no one, no one is riding their way to the big leagues as a catcher on the basis of an 80 arm and nothing else these days, because that is, there's just not enough attempts for it to be worth that. You are going to see, I think on both sides, you will see now athletes, who can really run having a little bit clearer path to the big leagues because stolen bases will become potentially more of the game again. And you will see teams having to, I don't think if you're a regular two pitchers, there's going to be pitchers and there's going to be catchers in the majors who are going to have trouble because of this. If you are a one, six, one, seven to the plate pitcher, and there are some out there in the majors, one point six seconds from you start your motion to the ball cross, you know, hits the mitt, you're going to be in trouble. If you're a 2-1-2-2 two, two, two catcher, you're going to be in trouble if teams do take advantage of this and start stealing bases. And by the way, the one other thing to tie this the other way, 
one of the other reasons when we talk about that there will be fewer pickoffs in the in the minors, I would say that really what this generally has meant is pitchers may throw over once if there's a reasonably speedy runner on first base. They rarely will throw over second time, and they may step off also because a step off counts as a pickoff. You really, I mean, two times is pretty much it. You almost, ne- I don't know if I've seen a team, a pitcher try to throw a third time because base runners, they do get a bigger lead. The rule is if you throw over a third time, you have to get the runner or it's a balk and he advances to the next base. I haven't seen a third throw. I've seen a, I've heard of a step off where a bat, a bat, a pitcher accidentally forgot about it and stepped off a third time because he saw the runner taking a little bit more lead and that was an automatic balk. But, but the other part of this is, the Houston Astros have one successful pickoff this year. The whole year. No team in the majors has more than 16 pickoffs in the entire year. This will reduce the number of pickoff throws. And I know pickoffs aren't all about getting the out. We are also there. That will reduce a port a portion of the game that is really action-free in 99.9% of the cases because Runners don't get thrown out being picked off of first base. Well, I think we've all been to the game where uh, guys get loose in the bullpen and the pitcher needs to buy some time and he throws over five or six times and the fans start booing. So I think getting that out of the game is probably a, a good thing. But no, this is, again, that the, the step-off rule, the pickoff limitations, you have to tie it into the pitch clock to make the pitch clock effective. But you're right, a byproduct of it is you are going to see higher stolen base success rates. And again, you get back to, okay, it's a shorter, more action-filled game, which is what Major League Baseball tried to accomplish with these rules changes. They were successful in the minors, and that's why we're going to see them in the majors. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. So that is probably the biggest change. But there's another one that's pretty significant, which is MLB will ban shifting to an extent. And I'll let you, because you just wrote the story about it, Kyle, and it's detailed as far as what it lays out. What are they exactly banning? So they are requiring that all four infielders be within the outer boundary of the infield. You would say, oh, they all have to be in the infield dirt, but no, they can play in on the grass if they're you know playing a bunt defense or something. But no more infielders playing shallow outfield. That's the first and foremost part. They have to be you know, dirt forward. In addition, two infielders have to be on either side of second base at all times. So again, no more third baseman goes and plays, you know, short right field. You're not going to see any of that. So two infielders on either side of second base, everyone in the dirt or forward. Obviously we've seen a, a proliferation in shifts, you know, all sorts of shifts, whether it's, in, you know, an infielder, you know, three infielders on one side, or you're putting an infielder in, in short right field, or in some cases just flat out having four straight up outfielders and this is going to get rid of all that so in theory the idea behind this is we've seen a lot of potential hits get taken away 
due to shifts. I mean, we've all seen the left-handed hitter up who, you know, smokes a line drive into short right field and the third baseman who's been shifted over is right there. And for, you know, 90 plus years, that's a base hit and out and out. And there's obviously been a sharp decline in offense in recent years. So from Major League Baseball's perspective, the idea was, hey, we'll try this out. We think it will increase offense. We'll see what happens. What has actually happened, interestingly, is by banning the shift, they did it double A last year and they expanded it to double A, high A, and low A this year. And they also tried it out in the Arizona Fall League. There was no significant difference in batted ball outcomes by banning the shift. What does that mean? That means the ball that you know you think might go through for a hit, but is now an out because of the shift, you know, over the course of the year, it actually evened out because hits that the shift took away. Um, it kind of evened out with balls that were falling in that maybe if, you know, guys were playing straight up, it turns into an out. So did I say that right? The overall point is it all evened out. And on the whole, banning the shift did not increase offense. It did not result in more hits. It did not result in higher batting averages on balls in play. Banning the shift really didn't do anything. And, and you know, Major League Baseball spokesman Morgan Sword admitted as much in an interview I had with him last year. They rigged it up righties versus lefties. I mean, everything. And they just found the impact was, was minimal to negligible. And we saw that again this year. However, they still implemented it. And it's really interesting because we've talked about pitch clocks, pickoff limitations. Objectively, they worked. Here's the data. Clear cut. Bang the shift just doesn't do anything. It doesn't do what Major League Baseball intended it to do or what it should do in theory. So... It the fact yeah. that they implemented it is very curious to me. And honestly, I, I think a lot goes back to they're trying to get back to an aesthetic look. But in terms of actual differences, this is not one. I should say the data we have, every piece of information we have, anecdotal and statistical, is that banding just doesn't actually make a difference in bad about ball outcomes over the course of the season. It all evens out. I, I don't disagree in any way with what you just said. We have looked at it. If you say, okay, that shifting or banning the shift should affect the batting average on balls in play. Because obviously if a ball's hit over the fence for a home run, it's not affected by wherever you position the, the fielders. If you strike out, it's not affected by where you, but batting average on balls in play. We have been unable to find, if you look at double a last year when they had it, when they not didn't change really. And you say didn't change. There's always variation. You know, it can move up three, down three points in a normal year. My favorite version of this is in the Florida State League this year, they had the normal shift in the first half of the season, and then they added what they call the pie slice shift in the second half, where there's a box that comes with lines that come out from second base, and you can't have a fielder in that area either. So you can't have a shortstop who's shifted over just on the other side of second base. That hasn't affected the actually the batting average on balls in play since they implemented that has gone down. So we just haven't been able to find any example as of yet. It does mean aesthetically that it does mean that there will be balls hit into short right field by left-handed hitters that will be hits now. Because if you are facing the Joey Gallows of the world, there are positions where you should put guys because he's more likely to hit it. Those will fall in now. There probably will be individual hitters who benefit from this, but it is hard to say that we, we just haven't found any evidence and we've studied a lot of it of how this actually changes overall 
the environment. And there is an argument that can be made. There is a logic to say, because you have banned the shift, you will now have pull hitters trying to hit more pull heavy, more for more power, which could lead to more strikeouts because they're not trying to use the whole field. We don't know. But I just, yeah, I think I agree with you that I just don't know if that's going to have much effect other than aesthetics, but we'll see. Uh, I guess we, you know. The one caveat is shifts are less prevalent in the minors than they are in the majors. So there's a chance that maybe that could result in more significant differences, but everything we have to date is just, there's no difference. So it's kind of pointless unless you just want it to look a certain way. And that seems to be the motivation for major league baseball with this one. Okay. And then the last one, we're not going to have to spend a ton of time on this one. Bigger bases. Bases were a 15-inch square. Now they're an 18-inch square. First, second, and third. The plate remains the same. And Kyle, we've both seen this in action. And I feel really confident saying, if I found a random fan at any game in the minors this year and said, Hey, so what do you think about the bigger bases rule? And had them look out at the bases and said, yeah, I have to lie about this, but say they're doing an experiment. So can you tell, is that a smaller base or a bigger base? They would not know the difference. It's just not that. It does mean a little bit at first base that the first baseman has a little bit more room to put his foot without getting spiked. Okay, it does make it slightly shorter distance between first and second and second and third and all that. But is there, I mean, I, I, I don't have, I am utterly not up in arms about that. And I actually think it makes sense because if it reduces five spikings a year, great. But at the same time, not a big deal to me. Yeah, so the motivation behind the larger bases, you kind of hit on it. It increases the success around stolen base because shorter distances between the bases and also potentially increases the number of infield hits. Again, shorter distance to the base um, and decreases the number of collisions around the back. And, you know, the collisions were something Major League Baseball really, really emphasized. They mentioned today that by their measurements, uh, collisions and, and injuries around the base have decreased by 13.5%. So look, fewer injuries is always a good thing. And just talking again to managers and players on the field, they didn't notice it. Again, it was like, yeah, no, it just, just kind of was. It, you know, a lot of indifference. So um, yeah, this is a rule that, again, decreases injuries without you know causing any significant disruption to the game. I think that's something everyone can get on board with. Um, and we'll see. Again, I, I think it's just... One of many rules changes, but of all the ones implemented today, this is not the one that's uh, going to change the game more than you know. I think anyone is is expecting. It's yeah. If you if you want to get up in arms about the pitch clock, I can get it. I can understand. If you want to get up in arms about the shifting, I can understand it. If you want to get up in arms about the base, what it comes down to is is that you believe that the game was stamped in one certain year and nothing should ever change from that because and by the way it has i will just point out you know we used to have fielders leave their gloves in the uh in the field and every now and then a ball would hit the glove and we then came to a point we're like you know what why are we leaving the gloves in the field they're not heavy we can we can bring them you won't forget it you'll you'll take the glove back with you but that's what we used to do like in the majors in the major leagues that was part of the game you know and that just Again, I love the game. I love the game, the old game. I love the game, the new game. But bigger bases, not really a difference. 
So anything we didn't cover, Kyle, before we wrap this up? No, I think we hit on everything. And we've got a lot of stuff up at baseballamerica.com right now. I encourage everyone to check it out. I have a bunch of stories I wrote about this last year, a bunch written before this year, a bunch I'm writing today. So um, we've got you covered with the rules changes. You know, again, I think there's, you know, going to be a lot of players today, obviously, as, as you know, pregame starts, uh, having a lot of opinions about this. Um, but one of the things we have at BA that's cool is a lot of discussions with minor league managers, minor league coaches who who have lived it. And, you know, we have the quotes up online. I encourage everyone to check them out and uh, just kind of get to see, you know, what the effects really are. Um, and again, we'll see how everything translates majors to minors, that there are some slight differences in some of the rules, but we'll, we'll be definitely seeing a different game. I think that's what I take away from this, you know, the major league baseball we're going to see next year, assuming, you know, nothing too insane or unexpected happens. We probably will be seeing shorter games, quicker pace, more stolen bases. Um, I don't think we'll see any additional hits just off of batted balls by banning the shift, but again, just shorter, quicker games with, with more stolen bases and less pickoff attempts and more action that way. I do think we'll see that. And it, will make the game different and ultimately probably a little more dynamic and, and fun to watch. One other thing I'll make a prediction. We did not see automated ball strike as part of this. Probably have a story about this next week. We've been talking for years, like what happens to catchers when the, uh, the robo ups come to the big leagues? I am utterly convinced after talking to people this year who have experienced the challenge system, we will not see a full automated ball strike system come to the big leagues. What we will likely see, if we see it, is going to be something where the home plate umpire calls balls and strikes, but each team has a limited number of challenges to where you can appeal to the automated ball strike system. If you see that in operation, everyone I've talked to who's experienced that and the automated ball strike system says it's a superior system because the game moves even a little quicker. You don't get the really funky robo ump strikes that you sometimes would see but you still do get that chance to really correct an egregious miss by a home plate umpire i think that's probably the next change we'll see come to the major leagues i agree the challenge system is much 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 better than a full abs system calling balls and strikes on every pitch um, i've written about this i've talked about it the technology is just wonky and not great, but if you can correct particularly egregious calls, that's something that's going to go over a lot better and make the game a lot smoother. And I agree. I think that is the system we'll see. It's just a matter of when. Um, it was very clear, again, as I mentioned last year, that pitch clocks were going to come very, very quickly. We'll see exactly what the challenge system looks like. But um, even with just this, there, there's going to be some fairly significant changes to the way the game is played and the way the game looks next year. And I know I'll be curious to see it. It'll be interesting to watch. We'll be watching it. So for Kyle, I'm JJ. So long, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.